الله وكفى وسلاما على عباده الذين استفهم بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم واذكر اسم ربك وتبتل اليه تبتيلا سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون سلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم So, between Asr and Maghrib, we were speaking about Salah, improving the quantity of Salah by trying to do more Nawafil, improving the quality of Salah by trying to come early to the Salah, to try to focus and concentrate in the Salah, and to stay back and linger after our Salah as long as we can, if we have more time to stay back more, and if we have less time to stay back less. When Allah SWT said in Asan to imagine that we're looking at Allah SWT, actually again, our deen is about feelings. So imagine that you're looking at Allah SWT does not mean to make any tasawwur or surah or imagine Allah SWT as an object for your vision. It means imagine that you are feeling what you would feel if you were looking at Allah SWT. This is why our deen as far as this world is concerned is Iman bil ghayb Alladheena yu'minuna bil ghayb So actually this may be one thing that the women can understand better than the men Because they have no idea how we're sitting right now and what we're doing right now and how I'm talking to you right now They can just imagine, but they can't imagine this setting and this picture and so surah and tasawwur But imagine how one would feel if one were looking at Allah SWT That's what it means It's feeling. Deen is about feelings. No human being has the power of imagination to imagine Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how he would look like. No, that is for the next stages of meeting. That will take place on stage 2, Yawm al-Qiyamah, and stage 3, Akhirah. In stage 1, there is no conceptualization of a tasawwur or surah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but rather it's imagining that I'm feeling the same way I would feel. As if I was seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu said that even were I to see Jannah and were I to see Jahannam, it would not change me in any way. What did he mean? It doesn't mean that I've already seen or I have conceptualized in my mind what Jannah and Jahannam look like. It means that I already feel the way one would feel if they could see Jannah and Jahannam in front of them. It's about feeling. I already feel that longing for Jannah that a person who sees Jannah would feel. I already feel that fear of Jahannam that a person who sees Jahannam would fear. That's what it means to look, imagine that we are looking at Allah SWT not to imagine Allah SWT in any way. Then when we move to the quality of, in the course of discussing the quality of Salah, so this particular zikr of our Mashaikh known as zikr Muraqabah. So the more and more Muraqabah that we make, the more and more we will be able to feel the remembrance of Allah SWT outside Salah, and the more we will be able to feel the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inside Salah. So the first thing that we were talking about practically is that number one, we should set a time for Muraqabah. Every single day, whatever time is convenient for us. But we have to block it out every single day. And when we consider what we're planning to do, and what I was saying was that this also saves us from the guilt shaitan gives us for the salik who needs to do dhikr, wants to do dhikr, wants to do muraqabah, isn't yet able to do it, 
and is unsure when they'll be able to do it, whether they'll be able to do it. So the whole day they live in this guilty conscience. So that's not a good feeling to have. That's not the feeling Allah wants. He doesn't want us to do these nawafil out of guilt either. He wants us to do these nawafil out of love. So to save ourselves from that trap of shaitan, first trap was the balancing, and the second is this guilt, is to just set a time from Raqabah, and when that time comes, to simply do it. Like everything else in your day. So if you have a meeting with some person, so you say, okay, we'll schedule that meeting at 10 o'clock in the boardroom. Okay, we'll have those office hours from 2 to 4 p.m., right? And when the, and then you forget about it. Then you do tension-free. Tension-free, because when the time comes, you know you'll simply do it. So that's how it should be with our zikr meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That, okay, today I will do my muraqabah after fajr, before fajr, after isha, or 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. or when I get home from work. doesn't always have to be attached to some salah. And once you have set it there, then you become tension-free. And as long as you make sure you do it, when the time for your scheduled meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of your zikr and muraqabah comes, when you do it at that time, then everything will be fine. And inshallah if you give, and for those two people who are studying ilm, it's the same thing, that you must block some time for your studies. Once you block time for your zikr, and blocked by ilm, I mean ulum al huh. I'm not giving free tips to university students here. <laughs> huh. Those who are studying ulum al you must block some time for your ilm, and block some time for zikr, and now you can be guilt-free, tension-free the rest of the day, as long as when that time comes, you give that time to your ilm and zikr. And the rest of the time leave unblocked. And there you can do your juggling, balancing act between university, family, or if you're a woman, children, and parents, and in-laws, or you keep doing your juggling, balancing act with other things. Take your ilm of deen and zikr out of that balancing act. When you do it, then the barakah of doing your ilm and zikr regularly. So we can compromise on the quantity initially. Don't compromise on the regularity. First step is make yourself regular. So it may mean that you can, if regular means blocking the time, may means you can only go with a little time, no problem. Block out 10 minutes if you're a beginner. Block out 10 minutes for your muraqabah. Start with lesser quantity, but make sure you have that regularity. Then due to the barakah of regularity in dhikr and regularity if you're a talib of ilm, regularity of studying your ilm and deen, the barakah of those two things will put balance in the rest of your life. The balance isn't going to come through strategy. The balance comes through barakah. The balance is not going to come through strategy and planning. The balance is going to come through barakah. The barakah is going to come through regularity in dhikr and ilm. So the first thing is regularity. Next thing was quantity. You will be able to increase the quantity <coughs> able to increase the quantity once you've established the regularity. Don't even think beyond regularity until you have it. Once you're doing it daily, now you try to increase it. Try to do it more. How will you do it more? So add a few minutes here and a few minutes there. And then remember niyyah and dhikr, that throughout the day you have that intention and that remembrance. So throughout the day and night, save a few minutes here and save a few minutes there. So you're eating, so okay, let me eat two or three minutes early with niyyah, so I can save two or three minutes from my muraqabah. 
Okay, I'm going somewhere and let me wrap this door up early so that I can say a few minutes from my Muraqabah. Now when Allah Ta'ala sees that this person is cutting a few minutes here, saving a few minutes there with this niyyah, that they will be able to use it for their nafal ibadah, and Allah Ta'ala will put barakah in that and make them increase in their nafal ibadah. So add a few minutes here and there, save a few minutes here and there, that's how you will build up your quantity. And again you will have a mindset all the time. Instead of, so this is what we do with people, oh I have to go. But what did you have to go for? We say, we're willing to say this sentence to people all the time. Look, I really have to go, look, I really don't have time. Why? For something to have to do in the dunya. If we had even the most small thing to do in the dunya, we're very happy to tell somebody, look, I don't have time, look, I have to go. So why can't we learn to say that sentence for the ibadat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Why can't we think and make near that, oh I need to save some time from Raqabah today. So I tell that person, look, I have to go, I have some things to do. I have a meeting to catch. Subhanallah. Huh? I have a meeting to catch. I have an appointment to keep with my Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hmm? So that's how you increase the quantity. And then the third thing after regularity and quantity is quality. Sorry, so the second thing about, second way to increase quantity is when you do muraqabah, when you're concentrating that your kalb is saying Allah, 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 then once you actually manage to start, because starting is the difficult part, once you actually manage to sit down and start and do your zikr, you should do it for as long as possible. Longer and longer and longer. Like our Mishanak said, Jitna Gura Utna Mita. The more sweetener you add, the more sweet it will be. So do it as long and as long as you can. The longer you do it, the more you will feel. Now this is how you switch from quantity to quality. The longer you do it, the more you will feel. The longer you do it, the easier it is to do. The longer you do it, the more you will enjoy doing Raqabah. Because it takes time to get that enjoyment. Actually, it takes time to get that enjoyment. So the longer you do it, the quicker you will reach that time that it takes to enjoy it. And if you don't do it regularly, and then you don't go to the next step, you don't do it longer, then you won't be able to reach that third step that you're able to enjoy it and you get the quality. So regularity, quantity, then quality. Here, then our Shaykh gave different examples, one example of driving, but you will maybe have to listen to that online because we're running short of time. Right, but simply put the first day, so the first time you do Muraqabah, you haven't, you won't enjoy it. The first time you do Muraqabah, the first few days, you may not necessarily enjoy it or feel it, you won't hit the quality immediately. You may have different thoughts, neutral thoughts, bad thoughts, nafsani thoughts, shaitani thoughts. Because whatever is clutter and junk is in your kalb, it will come out. So it's a process, a purging process, you have to go through that process. And in fact, that is good. When you are making niyyah that my kalb is saying Allah, Allah, so that Allah, Allah is going to make space for itself by clearing out the junk that is already there. So actually, when you start seeing junk, when you first do muraqabah, that's a good sign. That's a sign that there is a cluttering, decluttering process going on. And But when you keep doing it, keep doing it, then inshallah, the more and more and longer and longer that we sit, 
then Allah Ta'ala's rahmah and nur and fazl and karam will come in our heart and out of the mercy of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala then these bad thoughts will go away and the straight thoughts will go away and then the heart will start doing the zikr of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala then when the heart starts doing the zikr of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala then you will enjoy doing the zikr of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala so Allah bi zikri tatma'nul qulub doesn't happen the first day because in the first day when you sit aapko zikr naseeb nahi hota aapko zikr ki koshish naseeb hai you're trying to do dhikr. You have to keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And once you actually make the dhikr, then you will get that itminam. And the next thing after muraqabah, there's another word which is called muhasaba. Muhasaba means to take yourself to account. As they say in Arabic, hasibu kabla antu hasibu. That call yourself to account before your account is taken of you. Our Shaykh gave the example of audit. And every year there is a time when there is going to be an external audit of the company. So when that time of the external audit comes, if you look at the accounting department, so there, Allah, we're working day and night, huh? trying to make the books, bookkeeping, and finding missing receipts and vouchers, and trying to compensate for all the deficiencies. Before the audit teams come, they want to set up everything. They want to identify all of the faults and rectify all of the faults. Basically, simply in our language, they want to do islah. When it comes time near the audit, they want to do islah of the accounts. So just like that, when a person does muhasaba, they will start doing islah of themselves. What does it mean? So muhasaba means to remember that just like the people of today have to present themselves to the orders of this world, there will come a day called day of judgment who will be presented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take an audit of each and every single thing that we did. Everything that we did, everything that we said, everything that we thought, and everything that we felt. A'mal means four things. A'mal equals af'al plus aqwal plus afkar plus ahwal. Four things. Allahu Akbar. All of it will be accounted and audited by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the way to, first way to do mahasaba is that before we sleep every night is to examine our file for that day. Then what did we do on that day? Try to remember, did I do anything sinful? Did I miss any ibadah? Did I hurt anyone? Was I neglectful of any khidmah? And if you find that there is anything like that, then you should make istighfar and tawbah for that. And if you find that maybe there were some good things that we did in the day, then we should make sure we are humble over those things and do shukr to Allah subhanahu for those things. So mahasaba basically improves the quality of a person. Because when you review, right, like we're taught when you should review and proof and copy edit your work. When you review your daily file, then you will notice the flaws and faults in your file. Then you will see room for improvement, whereas sometimes we think that we don't even need to be improved. So every day when we examine, we will see the the need for improvement. Like remember we told you those mashayikh that they used to at the end of the day write down all the words they said and then look at it. Allah <laughs> So like that, keep a record, take yourself to task for everything that we did. So this is one way of doing muhasaba and every salik should try to do so. That is once a day at the end of the day to do a review of everything. 
There's a second way our Mashaik have mentioned doing Mahasabha, and that is to do Mahasabha before each and every single thing that we do. Before each and every single thing to check ourselves and examine ourselves. That am I doing this for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Is there any riya in this? Am I doing it out of ikhlas? Is it correct what I'm doing? Is it halal what I'm doing? Is it tayyib what I'm doing? Is it abzal what am I doing? Is it awla what am I doing? Is it ahsan, atka, azka, atar? What am I doing? Before every action and every thought and every feeling and every word, they used to take their muhasama. Allahu Akbar Kamina. So a person like that will then speak less. person like that will then speak less. Because they used to do their muhasaba before that. And that was the way of Sahabi Ikram radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So that was the example of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Remember when he was changed his clothes and he took three steps. He was doing his muhasaba. He was keeping an eye on himself. Within three steps he was able to realize that I'm not getting that same nur. Remember that story we told earlier? I'm not getting that same nur that I was getting. So give me those same old clothes back and that same old horse or camel, whatever it was back. How was he able to perceive it so quickly within three steps? Because he was a person of muhasaba. He was always in tune and examining the state of his heart. So how can these people tell? So Shaykh gave the example of there are two types of air. Imagine one type of air has fragrance and one type of air doesn't. So you mean you can tell instantly. If there's cool air coming, neutral, and there's cool air coming with some sweet fragrance. So just like that, they would do their muhasaba, and they could tell whatever amal they were doing, was it empty or was it with the sweet fragrance of khalis niya for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They were able to perceive that about themselves, the way we can smell the fragrance in the air. So they were people of constant muhasaba. So first level is once a day muhasaba, but then maybe one would want to try to build themselves up, and that ultimate level is constant muhasaba. Allah that's why when something would happen, somebody would give them sharbat, they would start crying. Allah Akbar, so many stories of them. I gave you the story in the morning, somebody returned the notes, started crying. Oh, all the time crying, crying, crying. Why? Because all the time during their muhasabah, all the time they were doing their muhasabah. Next point is that to follow the way of the Siddiqeen and Sandiqeen, to become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to become a truer believer, we need to get ilm of deen. Fasule ilm, talabe ilm. We need to have a desire for ilm, a yearning for ilm. We should try to seek the knowledge of deen. Because without the ilm of deen, we won't know what is our destination. We won't understand what is our purpose. We won't be able to identify our goal. So any traveler who does not know their destination and their goal and their purpose is going to find it more difficult. But that knowledge of deen has to be acquired from the knowledgeable and muttaqi ulama. Fas'alu ahl zikri in kuntum la ta'lamun. In kuntum la ta'lamun. If you don't know, if you don't have the knowledge, fas'alu. Back to the beginning, fas'alu. You must ask ahl zikri, the people who remember, not just the people of him. So to seek knowledge from the knowledgeable and muttaqi ulama. Shaykh Hassan Basri Nam Ta'ala, he was one of the greatest of the tabi. 
him and a friend of his used to go when they were very young to another one of the tabi'in who was a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they would go sit with him in that suhba and that way of the siddiqeen to try to purify their heart. And Hassan Basra says about himself that me and my friend, we went to the same shaykh and we spent the same time and made the same effort. But I was able to go faster and my friend was slower. And one day our shaykh, when he looked at me and he saw that I was thinking this, he said to me that Hassan, Rehmullahu ta'ala addressed Hassan Basri, that Hassan, you are going faster than your friend because you have ill. Because you have ilm of deen. And your friend doesn't. Why is this? It's very simple. Because Sayyidina Rasulullah said, Al-ilmu nur. That ilm is a nur. So we need, remember, we need to follow the hidayah. We need to be guided by the guidance of deen. So if Sayyidina Rasulullah some hadith is part of our hidayah. When he teaches us that ilm is nur, that knowledge is spiritual radiant light, we need to be guided by that. We need to be guided by that. We need that nur. Why did we think we didn't need that nur? Why did we think that all of the other knowledge and education of the world was needed and this ilm of being was not needed? So we need that nur. Yes, maybe not everyone will become an altogether complete alim, but we need to get involved in this seeking of knowledge of deen. We need to also drink at the springs of the nur of the ilm of deen. And Allah SWT will give whomsoever tawfiq to drink more or to drink less. And specifically our shaykh also mentioned for those who are salikeen and seekers on the path of the sawf and saluk, they must try to acquire ilm. They must get more and more ilm so they can get the nur of that ilm in their heart. Then there is a saying that some people say that ilm is a hijab. Now the ilm is a hijab, what it meant, al-ilmu hijab al-akbar. It meant that knowledge is a veil over the heart. Why? When that knowledge doesn't come with zikr. Why? Because knowledge that doesn't come with zikr means knowledge that doesn't come with humility. Knowledge itself, not even a person has to have tikabur. If they get ilm and they don't have zikr, they will guaranteed get ujjah. There's no chance. It's a guarantee. If they have ilm, just make this equation, ilm minus zikr equals ujjah. That's why we said that Al-Bastis, he made it so easy for us. We were on zikr first and we came to ilm later. We didn't even know about this ilm part when we began our journey of zikr. Hmm? And some of our friends and madrasa and some teachers even today, they're on ilm and they don't have the zikr. Ilm minus zikr equals ujub, guaranteed. The best will be able to contain it to ujub and the worst will fall into, worst will fall into kibber and the worst will fall into the kibber. That I explained to you last night. What ujub and kibber and takabbar are. Ujub means to have conceit, to think, to love yourself. Kibber means to love yourself so much that you think you're better than others. And takabbar means to love yourself so much and think you're better than others that you treat others as if they're inferior to you. So because, alhamdulillah, but if a person has the dhikr, then ilm won't lead to ujub, but ilm will lead to nur. So the people who are learning the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they must learn the ilm of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if a person doesn't have that zikr, that ilm leading to kibr, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Quran, سَأَصْرِفُ عَنْ آيَاتِ الَّذِينَ يَتَكَمْبَلُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ بِغَيْرِ الْحَقِّ 
that I will turn away from my signs and my revelation. Those people who become display arrogance and pride and treat others as inferior to them on earth, without any authority, without any warrant, without any right from Allah subhanahu to do so. So, ilm, when it is accompanied with dhikr, it actually gives us more humility. Then our own Shaykh, Shaykh Hazrat Ghulam Abibramtalai, he used to love the ulama. And he used to say that because the ulama have this nur already, so ghair alim, it will take him years to get the qurub of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But an alim who has the nur of ilm, it can take him days or weeks to get the zikr qurub of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They've already spent the years in the mother's son. They've put their years in. You're thinking that's not fair. Huh? Huh. They put their years in already in the mother's son. They put their years in. And he used to say, SubhanAllah, this was his shan. Sometimes the Mashaik Allah Ta'ala gives them certain things. So he said, if any alim sadiq, any alim sadiq, true seeker who is an alim of deen, comes to me, he used to say, comes to me for 40 days, and spends 40 days with me, I will give him the nur of the qurb of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by the end of those 40 days. Subhanallah. Allah Akbar. And for that I will also mention to you a hadith of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu Man akhlasa lillahi alba'ina yawman zahara yinabiyu al-hikmati min kalbihi ala al-sani Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu said that that person who dedicates themselves sincerely and exclusively to the Worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for 40 days, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make the springs of wisdom and manifa flow from his heart to his tongue. Yes? This is a good, maybe one opportunity to show you one slight ilmi thing since we're talking about ilm. This hadith is to be found in two places. But most people don't know that because one place is more famous. The more famous place you find this hadith is in the Hilyatul Awliya. A book called Hilyatul Awliya. And that narration, chain of narration is weak. And so you have some of our friends who like to go into hadith criticism. So they love to tell the whole world that this narration is weak. And they are correct that this narration with the chain of narrators that is mentioned in Hilyatul Awliya is weak. But this very same hadith, myself, I found it by searching. And I know for sure then that it is there has been narrated in a much earlier collection than the Hilya, and that is the Kitab al-Zuhud of none other than Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal Akbar. Of Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal is himself from the Salaf Salihin, and viewed to be one of the greatest muhaddithin of the Tabai Tabin, and he views this hadith as reliable. But our friends who don't actually get hadith from muhaddithin, they get their knowledge from databases, so they don't know these things. <laughs> Absolutely reliable hadith, viewed as and taught by the Salaf Salim as a reliable hadith. Forty days. Of here, some of our other friends borrowed the hadith for another thing other than ibadah because Tao is also a type of ibadah, right? <laughs> but this hadith was originally about ibadah, man akhlasa. About ibadah, that's why in the history of Islam, the mashaykh of the Sof would sometimes tell a person to spend 40 days with them because of the hadith. That if they dedicate themselves and spend 40 days, you can't get a lot of 
बहुत कम ऐसे खानकाएं रह गए कि आप 40 दिन लगा भी सकते हैं लाइक देयर मे बी अ हैंडफुल ऑफ आई डोंट नो व्हाट न्यूक्लियर पार्टिकल फिजिक्स प्रोग्राम्स इन द वर्ल्ड देयर इज जस्ट अ हैंडफुल ऑफ सच प्लेसेस इन द वर्ल्ड लेफ्ट वेयर यू कैन गो एंड स्पेंड दीस 40 डेज इट्स अ गनीमा इट्स अ ट्रेजर फॉर अस इफ वी हैपन टू बी अटैच्ड और नो ऑफ एनी ऑफ देम राइट एंड वी शुड रिवाइव एंड ट्राई टू मेक मोर सच प्लेसेस दिस इज अ बिग खिदमत ऑफ दीन is to actually revive the khankai nizam of our deen to revive those lodges and sanctuaries of spiritual teaching of our deen many madaris in this country alhamdulillah very few khankas left in this country very few ek aad ek aad khankai baki so khair so shaykh hazrat khwaja ghulami ranti used to say this and there's a basis for this in hadith So here practically speaking then we should spend however much we time with however much knowledge we can again the same thing is going to apply regularity then quantity then quality so don't think that in day one oh I'm not the best student or oh, I don't really understand or don't take my test hmm? don't exam my quality don't worry about that all we want to see in the beginning first is your regularity then we want to see some effort to start doing it more bit more bit more once you have that regularity and you start to do a bit more then allah subhanahu will open things in your mind allah prahib ajib mamla ajib dastan sayyidna rasulullah sallallahu said that when a person does amal on what they know then allah ta'ala will grant them knowledge of what they could have never known ma lam ya'na that which they didn't know nor could never have known means amal is what opens the door to in amal is what opens the door to subhanallah so you should spend some time arrange some time with some alim of din right maybe one or two hours a day or one or two hours a week whatever you're able to start with and you just start and with the passage of time yeah it may take 5 years 10 years 15 years no problem it's a long term journey but it's a long term benefit It's a long-term journey for a long-term benefit. Like your children, they go to kindergarten, first grade up to 12th grade, 13 years. And then they go to college, 4 years, so that's 17 years just for a BA. So for just for BA, you have to put in 17 years. And we are like first grade in our ilm. And you are kindergarten in your ilm. So it takes many years. Many years. No problem, you just start. You just do Bismillah and you start. Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu was relatively late comer, late sahabi. Some people say, no, I'm late comer, I'm an old person. No, no, it's never too late. It's never too late to get the ilm. Subhanallah. Abu Sayyidina Hurairah, if you think about it, he could have thought, I missed the first 18 years of Nubuwa. <laughs> I missed the first 19, 19 no, not, not even 20. I missed the first 20 years of Nubuwa. He could have thought, I'm such a late comer. <laughs> such a late comer. and he actually only was able to live with sayyidina rasulullah for about 2 two, two and a half years but as many of you would know the person which sahaba who is narrated the most hadith which sahaba is imam al muhaddithin imam al rawat sayyid al rawat sayyidina abu hurairah radhiyallahu ta'ala because he had class he had talab so it's never too late it's never too late however late the late comer comes if he comes with that ikhlas and talab allah ta'ala will give him and then again remember it's about the feeling so the feeling is that you have to love ill now thori se kuch logon ke sath mushkil baat ho aap log saath denge 
but for our society, a very difficult thing. Ah, uh-huh, Lord, but if you really love ilm, you will love ulama. Love. Not just like, or respect, or listen. Yibi is missing. We have lost that love. We lost the love for awliya, lost the love for ulama. Now a person's nafs and says, reason is because so-and-so Mulvi Sahib did this to me once in my life. That enough to make you lose love for ulama. I'm sure all of us must have some doctor who misdiagnosed us in life. All of us must have some doctor who kept us waiting hours and hours in our life. All of us must have a doctor who when finally went to see him, he hardly gave us two minutes in our life. Sorry. Huh? Did that mean we stopped respecting the medical profession? No. We still love doctors. Oh, mashallah, we love for our sons to be doctors. It didn't stop our love for it. We still want our sons to be doctors. Huh? Hmm? All of us must have read in the papers doctors who were accused of malpractice. Hmm? You must have read all of those things. It didn't stop you from loving doctors in the medical profession. So what in the world has stopped you from loving ulama in the ilm profession? So if you love ilm, you will love ulama. That's the sign. If you don't love ulama, you don't love ilm. If you love ilm, you will love ulama. And then our shaykh said about his own shaykh, as a father of Allah, that he used to really love the ulama. So much so he used to say that I would be so happy that if you were to lie me down and make the ulama walk over me, this would be such a joy for me. SubhanAllah. Allah Akbar. Ajeeb. Such a big shaykh. So many ulama used to sit at his feet. And he used to say that I would be so happy that if I could lie down and not walk over me, means they should step on my chest. They should put their foot on my chest and walk over me. And that would make me feel very happy. I wouldn't feel any pain in my heart. SubhanAllah. Allah Akbar. So much love for the ulama we should have. And if any one of his murids was ever, if there was a Mulana, let's say Mulana Abdullah, and he was to say Abdullah Saab, like we've seen some of the Bay Adabakratis like to say Taki Saab, so he would scold them. He would say, Ajeeb, this used to disturb me when I studied in the Madrasa. Some of our more, the Takhasas ke Tagri Sati Tena, wo kehte te Taki Saab. Taki Saab to aise firmate, La Hawla wa La Quwata illa binna. Students of the Mufti course used to talk like that. In my own experience here in Karachi. I said, no, when you love them. No, when you go to the doctor, you, mashallah, mashallah. You will see his name on the board. Do you say Hamid Saab? Brother Rahmatullah, do you call him brother? He's also your Muslim brother. Hmm? You will always call him doctor, always. And you will say the words Dr. Sahib with so much adab, ikram and muhabbat. Infinitely more than that you should be able to say for the real ulama, the word Maulana Sahib and Mufti Sahib. It should be your love, our love that we have for the ulama. Alhamdulillah. So even our Mashaik used to correct that. So khair, a person should get love for the ulama. I'll also tell you, if you get love for the ulama in your heart, you will be saved from getting incorrect ilm from the ghair ulama. And if you don't have the love for ulama in your heart, some ghair alam is going to dazzle bedazzle you. Yes, if you don't have the love for ulama in your heart, some ghair alam is going to come and dazzle bedazzle you. وَآپ کے عقل کو مخاطب کرے گا اور آپ کا عقل کو جیتے گا 
He'll win over your mind. The ulama were the ones who were supposed to win over your heart. Yes, every person needs improvement. But just think that Sayyidina Rasulullah himself said, Al-ulama'u warathat al-anbiya. So our feeling should be, I mean, every if I was talking to ulama, I would talk to them in a different way. They need to be told certain things, and we need to be told certain things. What we need to be told is that when Sayyidina Rasulullah said this, Al-ulama'u warathat al-anbiya, that the ulama are the inheritors, legatees of the prophets. So our heartfelt feeling, remember, be guided by that guidance. Be guided to feeling by that guidance. So we should have been guided to feel the feeling that, okay, I couldn't meet Sayyidina Rasulullah But 1400 years ago, he told me that he was leaving behind his warith for me, and those are the ulama I haq of my time. So I will meet them with the same love and respect that I would have met Sayyidina Rasulullah Yes, you may think I'm doing mubalagh or shikh fin nabuwa. No, I'm not saying view them as a nabi, it's not a nakidash. If they're a warith, right? What does warith mean? That they're the heir, legatee of the prophets. So I should meet them with the same love and respect. That's why people don't understand that why do people do so much adab for ulama and mashayr? So the Khanakama has the tajalliyat zatiya coming on it. And therefore you have so much adab for it. So the real awliyaullah, their kalb has the same tajalliyat zatiya coming on it that comes on the Khanakama. Yes. So our adab for the Kaaba is not because of the stone of the Kaaba. It's not because of the marble of the Kaaba. It's not because of the jalaf of the Kaaba. Our other for the Kaaba is because Allah Ta'ala's tajalliyat zatiyah are coming on that Kaaba. So those few real awliyaullah whose hearts are always receiving those tajalliyat zatiyah, our hearts naturally do other of them as well. That's why we do other of our mission. If I start doing that. Next point is that everyone has two enemies. One is shaitan and one is our nafs. Shaitan is our outer enemy and nafs is our inner enemy. Allah Ta'ala said in Quran that shaitan is aduvu mubin fattakhiduhu aduva. That shaitan is our enemy and we should take him as an enemy. That shaitan is our enemy and we should take him as our enemy. Shaitan is unseen. What does that mean? It means shaitan is going to come to us in ways that we will not be able to realize. Sometimes he even comes with us, comes to us in the form of our friend, as our well-wisher, as our advisor. Mushir. Hmm? Don't think by open enemy means he always openly manifests his enmity towards us. But he is always our enemy. That's what Adum will be. He's our diehard enemy and what does he want? He wants to take us away from Allah SWT. Don't think that shaitan just wants us to sin. Don't think that shaitan just wants to take away our amal. He is a thief but he wants to steal our imam. He does not give up on any mu'min. Now, if shaitan is the thief of the iman of insan, so he doesn't have to go towards those insan who don't have iman. means all of his efforts will be on those insan that have iman. 
So now we should think that out there there is a being who wants our iman. So he makes long-term planning. And he takes us step by step. He doesn't let us see. He lets us see the first step. Then do it once, try it once, do it one more time, do it one last time. He just makes us see the first step. He has planned out the whole journey for us. And as you know, shaitan has been given certain powers by Allah subhanahu wa He never tires, so he never sleeps. He's never hungry, he never needs to eat. He can be anywhere at any time that he wants. He is entirely invisible to us. Each and every one of us are always visible to him. Allah Akbar. Such powers Allah Ta'ala gave shaitan. Such powers Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala gave shaitan. Then he can do waswasa on us. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, in other side from all of this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us himself. <laughs> that being who is huwa ala kulli shayin kadir. That being who we just say, a'udhu billahi min shaitan rajeem. And all of shaitan's powers cannot touch us. Subhanallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us that. So shaitan is very devastating, so we should remember that and always be on watch for that. Second enemy is our nafs. What does our nafs want? A nafs does not want to destroy our imam. Nafs is not out to steal our imam. That's not the nafs issue. Nafs wants to enjoy. Nafs is that part of us that likes to enjoy. Sometimes it enjoys through lust, sometimes it enjoys through materialism. It wants to enjoy. It wants to enjoy. And the effect of shaitan is very little. The effect of the nafs is much greater. 90 plus percent of sin is due to our nafs. 10 or less percent of sin is due to shaitan. And one of the most devastating situations that can happen to a mu'min is when shaitan and their nafs join forces. This also happens. When shaitan and their nafs get together, when their nafs is a double agent for shaitan, then Allah then a person is in a real tough situation. Real tough situation. So how can we tell the difference between shaitan and the nafs? And how can we save ourselves from shaitan and the nafs? So first let's begin with shaitan. The way to save ourselves from shaitan is to make the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah ta'ala said in Quran, when shaitan, the shayateen, the groups of shaitan, they try to attack a person, what, they, they, what do they do? فَأَنْسَاهُمْ أَنْ ذِكْرِ They make the believers forget the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Shaitan has to remove your shield before he can attack. <laughs> he has to take away your shield before you can attack. As long as that shield is there, you cannot attack. <laughs> so simply then, the way to protect ourselves against shaitan is to do more and more zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to do zikr of Allah ta'ala at all times, what our mashayikh have called bukufi kalbi, to always be remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the nafs, there's no one act like that. Like for shaitan, one act, zikr, one amal. For nafs, there is no single amal like that that will make us immune to the nafs. For the nafs, you have to make mujahadatun nafs, mukhalafatun nafs. Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, وَنَحَلْ nafsa anil hawa." You must simply stop your nafs. 
You must simply resist your nafs. You must simply hold yourself back from the nafs. You must simply not execute what the nafs wants you to do. You must simply refuse to do what the nafs wants you to do. That's the only cure against the nafs. So protection against shaitan, the amal of dhikr, the protection against nafs, you must simply resist. And the nafs, because it has desires, so the nafs, for example, will want you to get involved in romance and lust. The nafs will want you to get involved in the world. You simply have to resist. This explains why that those salikeen who do dhikr, but they don't do mujahad of the nafs, they fall into sin. And then they don't understand. They said, how, what happened, and I'm learning dhikr, and I'm doing dhikr, and I fell into sin. Yes, because you were doing the dhikr part that protected you from shaitan. But what was going to protect you from the nafs was that mujahad, the mukhalifa. And you didn't do that. You didn't do that. So if you keep indulging your nafs, then even the zikr won't help you. Yes, the zikr has an indirect effect. Because the zikr puts in your heart the feeling of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the feeling of fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that was the whole ayah. Man khafa maqama rabbihi wa nahan nafsa anil hawa. So that person who fears being presented in front of their rabb, they will be able to stop their nafs from actions. To feel more fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Protect yourself from shaitan, feel more remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Protect yourself from nafs, feel more fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you need both things. Both things. Then, if a person wants to know what's the difference between shaitan and nafs, so our mashayik have explained that if a person gets a thought of sin, and they resist it, then again they get an urge, but for a different type of sin, then again they resist it. Then sometimes Pisces, they get another urge for yet a different type of sin, and again they resist it, so this is a sign, this is shaitan. Because shaitan doesn't really care which sin you do. He just wants you to do any type of sin. Here, there's a longer explanation of this that we've given you sometimes, in, right? That he wants you to re- do a new sin, otherwise repeat an old sin, right? Otherwise lose some nafil, otherwise lose a farad, otherwise feel riya, otherwise feel ujjab. We explained this once in detail in a bihan. So here, nafs, however, if you get the thought of a sin and then you, alhamdulillah, are able to save yourself, then a few hours later, one day later, you get the same urge, again you save yourself. And then again you get to, so it's a repeating. That's a sign that it's nafs. Because the nafs has a particular desire, and once it gets that desire, it does not let go of that desire. So that's a sign that it is our nafs. So if you want to stay away from the first type of thought and sin, do zikr. And if you want to stay away from the second recurring repeat thought of same sin, have to have more fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and simply do mujahadatun nafs and muhalafatun nafs. Next point is that a person should be humble. Humble. What does that mean? That we should think in our heart and in our mind that everyone is better than me. Everyone. Everyone is better than me. In thee. Everyone else is better than me in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now this is a problem because most of the time we always think that we're better than other people. Whether it's our ujub or our kibr or takabr. And like we mentioned last night, hadith of Sayyidina Rasulullah that person who even has a dhalla, even an atom's weight of kibr. 
not even to cover Atum's weight of kibber, will not go into Jannah. So what does that mean if I translate it using this word? That that person who in any slightest sense views themselves to be better than any person on earth will not go to Jannah. That's what it means. Because kibber means to view oneself as better than others. <laughs> Allah Atta would mean that in any slightest sense views themselves to be better than any person on earth. They won't be able to go to Jannah. So that's why the teachings of the Siddiqeen and Sadiqeen stress this thing called to have humility and humbleness in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how can we do this practically? How can we feel that others are better than us? So one way our Mashaikh have taught that okay, if a person's older than you, then the way you should regard them is okay, mashallah, they're older than me, they've lived longer than me, so they would have fasted for more Ramadans, they would have prayed more Salah, they would have more Amal than me, so they're better than me. If a person's younger than you, then you should look at them and say, okay, they're younger than me, so they must have less sins than me, they must have made less mistakes than me, their life is yet shorter than mine, so they're better than me. That's one way because everyone is either going to be older than you or younger than you. So this is one way how we can view every single one as better than us. Then sometimes a person says that no, but what if somebody is an open sinner? This in Arabic Quran is called Fasik. means he openly, outwardly, unabashedly sin. How can I view that person as better than me? So once a person asked a shaykh that question and the shaykh said very simple, that you should think about that person, that today he is a sinner, but what if sometime in the future he makes true tawbah? When he makes true tawbah, then Allah Ta'ala will change all of his sins to good deeds, and then he will have more good deeds than I have, and because of his tawbah he will have no sins. Because Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala said in the Quran that these are such people, يُبَدُّلُ siyyatihim hasanat. that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala changes their sins into good deeds, or we can think about that person, that if that person ever accepts Hidayah, when they accept Hidayah, they may follow Islam better than me. Right now, I am no Islam, but I'm not following it so well. In the future, this person may learn and may follow better than me. So to view oneself, view everyone as always better than us. Then our Mashaikh used to take it even further and say, we should even view the animals as better than us. That can again become a whole band. <laughs> View the dog is better than us. View the horse better than us. Those of you who listen to our Mishayim know what we are referring to. So let's just take one, two aspects about the dog. Why? Because the dog is more faithful to its master, its owner, than we are faithful to our master, our Rabb, Allah SWT. Why is that? Well, we see with the dog, that the dog remains awake the whole night out of obedience because the master tells it that you are the night guard. So it remains awake the whole night out of obedience to its master without any expectation or hope of reward. No promise of ajr, no promise of jannah, no promise of any ni'mah, nothing. And practically in the morning the master just gives it a few scraps of bread. And then when it eats those few scraps of bread, there is no bed for it to sleep. It did all night duty. No bed for it to sleep in, no hot breakfast for it to eat. We just go and lie in some corner. Then if the master beats the dog with shoes, you will find that that dog will never ever leave its master. Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests us a little bit 
we do shikwa, we complain, we leave our ibadah, we leave Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So many examples are Mashaikh mentioned in which they say that the dog is even better than the human being. Parent and Sheikh gave many long stories about this ajeeb. And then many languages, Punjabi, Saraiki, that you'll have to listen to that inshallah. But this point was humility. How is another way to remain humble is to look at our own faults, to notice our own faults and to notice the good actions and good attributes of other people. This will create humility in us. But we do the exact opposite. We notice the faults of others and we notice the good attributes in ourselves. So if we notice the faults of others and the good attributes in ourselves, we will never become humble. But we have to notice our own faults and the good attributes in others. So for example, we are always waiting and watching that, oh look, he made this mistake. He made this mistake, right? I was amazed at one friend of ours. We wanted something for him. And then all he did was make this thing that he just noticed other people's mistakes. Allah Akbar. I couldn't believe it. I was stunned. All that time, all he could do was notice somebody's mistake. When there were so many people around him who had so many good attributes, even that very person whose mistake he noted had so many wondrous attributes. But he couldn't see it. Noticing the faults of others is a sign. And our Mashaikh train us this way. That that person who comes to you noticing the faults of others means that, oh, he's really diseased. He has so much ujub in himself. He has kibber in himself. Oh, and that act of noticing the faults is at the kumbar. Because you want anybody to point out your faults, so you're treating them lower than the way you would want to be treated. To treat others lower than how you would want to be treated, that is also called the kumbar. Love kumbar. And sometimes we're amazed, they so innocently, sweetly come to us and point out the faults of their fellows. Somebody asked him that, what is the sobaf? So he said, I can explain to you the sobaf in just two sentences. One is that you should not find faults in other people. And the second sentence is that you should not notice your own good attributes. But that all that's the self. You should not find faults in other people and you should not be aware of your good attributes. By aware it means you shouldn't have ujib over them. Obviously if you have some skill you have to use it for the deen so you must be aware of it to use it for the deen, for the khidmat of deen. Not like that, but you shouldn't be boastful about it. You shouldn't have vanity, pride, conceit about it. If we were to look at our own faults, believe me, we wouldn't be able to notice the faults of others. You don't have to even do the second part. You don't have to blind yourself to the faults of others. You just have to see your own faults. When you see the sun, you will be blinded to the candle. When you notice your own faults, you will automatically be blinded to the faults of others. Then... The next point is that we should always speak the truth. Always speak the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Absolute, pure, pristine, white, spotless truth. Sayyidina Rasulullah said that a mu'min, and it's a longer date, a mu'min can never be three things. One of those things is that a mu'min can never be a liar. 
Sayyidina said, it's not possible that Iman and Kidb can be joined together. So Mu'min must always speak the truth. Then another day Sayyidina Rasulullah said that a person starts lying. And then when you tell a lie, then you have to cover up your lies so then they keep lying. And then again they have to cover up those secondary lies so they say a third level of lies. So they keep lying and lying until Allah Ta'ala writes their name amongst the list of the kadhab. Writes him as a kadhab, as a liar. Now that person who Allah Ta'ala declares and labels as kadhab, does he have any hope or she have any chance of following the way of the Siddiqeen and Sadiqeen? Hmm? So we want to stop lying at the very outset. At the very outset. Because our words have a deep power and effect. We can accept Iman with just one word. You can renounce your Iman with just one word. You can do Nikah with just one word. You can renounce Nikah, have Talaq with just one word. That's the power Allah has put. The Sharia is showing us the power of our words. So if the words are spoken with truth, they have a lot of power. Kalimatul Haqq has a lot of power. But if instead of doing that, we've lost that one big power of our deen, that we were deenul Haqq, we were the people of Kalimatul Haqq. When we stop speaking the truth, we lost that power that is in truth. Then one of the good things about truth is that whenever you speak the truth, you don't have to remember what you say. You don't have to keep track of what you say if you speak the truth. But if you lie, even a little bit, you're going to have to remember what you said and who you said it to and how you said it. And in case you forget, you may get caught. But when you speak the truth, you don't even have to remember. I don't remember if I said that. Did I say that? I don't remember. Because you were speaking the truth. Another practical way to make sure that we don't lie is that we're almost done inshallah. It takes me about 10-15 minutes more, so maybe we may have to actually pray Isha Salah over here, like we normally do when we have the Bayan in this area. So we can, one way to prevent ourselves from telling a lie is that sooner or later every single lie will be discovered. If nothing else, on the day of judgment that lie will be revealed. There is no lie, no matter how skillfully we craft it, no matter how skillfully we cover it up, there is no lie that will remain concealed. Every single lie will be exposed. Many of them will be exposed in this world. And if not in this world, then certainly on the day of judgment, Allah Subhanahu will expose that lie. And then to imagine Allah Ta'ala exposing that lie on the day of judgment should be more terrifying than if that lie was to be exposed in front of society in this world. And one of the things, second way to stop lying is to remember what is the barakah of speaking true. So one of the barakah speaking, one of the barakah of speaking truly is that person who speaks truly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always accepts their dua. That person who speaks truly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always accepts their dua. Once there was a wali, he was mustajab al-dawat, that whatever dua he made, Allah ta'ala would accept it. So somebody asked him, oh Shaykh, how did this happen? That Allah Ta'ala always accepts your du'as. So Shaykh said that because I always speak the truth, and because I spent my lifetime speaking the truth, now Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala grants my du'as. Next point is, 
that we should be soft-hearted. To be on the way of the Siddiqeen and Sadiqeen is that we must become soft-hearted people because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves those who are soft-hearted. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves those who are soft-hearted. Now there are some people who are naturally soft-hearted and some people who are a bit, let's say, naturally stern of temperament and demeanor. No problem. Always remember that deen is a precisely that teaching which can change our mizaj and tabiyat. There is no mizaj and tabiyat that is so stubborn that it can stand in the face of the hidayat of deen. So we have to be guided by the guidance. Guided to the feelings of the hidayat. And the one major feeling is that we should become soft-hearted. What does that mean? That we shouldn't become so angry easily. We shouldn't never forgive anyone. We should forgive others easily. And we should be able to soften our heart. So this softness is called riq. Riq. Riq means that we should be very, very kind. Riq means riqqatul qulub, that a person was riqiq, that a person used to cry a lot. person should be like that with others. That we should be very kind with our families, very kind with our friends. So the softness begins with one's closest circle. To be more soft with the husband, wife, to be more soft with the children, parents, to be more soft with the family relatives, to be more soft with the friends, and to be more soft with the neighbors, and to be more soft with the associates, to make ourselves more and more soft, because it is the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah that he was extremely soft-hearted, extremely kind, so much so that Allah subhanahu wa said in Quran that he was ra'oof, ra'oof. بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَوْفُ الرَّحِيمِ Sayyidina Rasulullah was ra'oof and rahim with the believers. Bil with mu'mineen. So we want to follow the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah We will not be considered as having followed that sunnah until we are also ra'oof and rahim. Ra'oof means soft and kind-hearted and rahim means forgiving and overlooking the faults of who mu'mineen. This is sunnah because the Siddiqeen are the true followers of the Prophet This is one of those important batin sunnahs. And Sayyidina Rasulullah said that if you forgive others, then Allah Ta'ala will forgive you. What does it mean if you forgive others when they genuinely did wrong you? When they unjustly wronged you? Then Allah Ta'ala will forgive you when you unjustly disobeyed Him. When you unjustly disobeyed Him. Another aspect of being a roof and rahim, being soft-hearted and forgiving, is to accept other people's apologies. So it comes in a day to say that Rasulullah said that if somebody asks forgiveness from you, you should forgive them. If a mu'min sincerely asks forgiveness from you, means they genuinely accept and acknowledge their mistake, and they genuinely feel remorse over that, and they're asking you to forgive them from the bottom of their heart, that you have to forgive them. You cannot hold a grudge. How strongly did Sayyidina Rasulullah say this? He said, if somebody asks forgiveness from you, and you don't grant them that forgiveness, then Sayyidina Rasulullah said, then don't come to me on the Hawza Kosa. Don't come to me on the Hawza Kothar if you cannot forgive others. Allahu Akbar Kameera. Means Sayyidina wanted us to be forgiving of others. 
that we should be forgiving of other people. The next point is to become a well-wisher to others. What does that mean? Sayyidina Rasulullah said, Deenun Nasiha, that Deen lies in always good counsel, good advice, well-wishing, means wanting the best for others. For example, Sayyidina Rasulullah said that none of you has completed and perfected his Iman until he or she loves for her fellow believer what they love for themselves. It's a common Iman. This is the way of the Siddiqeen and the Sadiqeen. These are the Mu'mini Nikamineen after the Nabiyyin. So we must love for others what we love for ourselves. Love. This is the word of the Prophet Ahab, until you love for others what you love for yourself. That is the real meaning of khairfai. Another meaning is always to have husni zan. Adinnasi also means to always have positive thoughts about others. To always think the best of others. To always try to bring out the best of others. <coughs> Here again, very briefly, the next point is not to complain to people. Means we should never complain to people about other people because that can be riba and backbiting. Yes, sometimes, very rarely, we may need to get hidayah ourselves, how to deal with the situation. So as much kinaya as possible, but we have to get the information across that such and such a thing is happening to me, or so and so is oppressing me or hurting me in such a way. But with as much kinaya as possible, means shroud it and veil it and cloak it as much as you can, and then you may share that information with someone, only with the niyyah, not to expose that person, to backbite that person, but to learn how to protect yourself from that person. That is possible. But generally just complaining about people, like many times when two people get together, they complain about the third, when employees sit together, they complain about the boss, when sisters-in-law sit together, they complain about the mother-in-law, Oh, mother-in-law sit together, they complain about the daughter-in-law. When wives sit together, they complain about the husband. When husbands sit together, they complain about the wife. That type of complaining, we should never do that at all. And we should always remember that whatever happens to us, and whatever any person is doing to us, Allah also knows what they're doing. <laughs> it's not like Allah SWT is not watching that, Allah Ta'ala doesn't know that. And Allah Ta'ala has clearly willed for that to happen. So this is a test, like we mentioned in summer. This is a test. Allah Ta'ala wants me to have sabr. And as long as I am pleasing to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, nothing else can trouble me. Nothing can disturb me. Nothing can disturb me. So if we stop complaining, and instead of complaining, just make sure we keep Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala happy, then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will put barakah in all those relationships. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will put barakah in all those relationships. For the last and final point then for today, and we'll end the manzas on this point, but this point needs few minutes, just few minutes to explain. And then we'll end in a hadith of Sayyidina Rasulullah So the last point is that you should always feel and be aware that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always with us. Remember the way of the Siddiqeen is about feelings. True mu'mineen have true feelings for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala said in the Qur'an, هُوَ مَعَكُمْ إِنَّ مَا كُنْتُمْ That Allah Subh'anaHu is with you wherever you are. So we have to feel that. We have to feel the ma'iyat of Allah Subh'anaHu That He is with me. And this gives us a great comfort. This is for our own benefit. This gives us a great comfort, a great solace 
Even Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used to give tasalli and comfort to the Anbiya by reminding them of his mayyad. When Allah ta'ala told Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam and Sayyidina Hawl al-Islam that you have to go and take dawah directly to Fir'aun at his court. Allahu Akbar. Such a difficult task. So even Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam got a little bit worried. How is this going to happen? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told them and he preserved these words for us in Qur'an. So our ummah could also learn. Allah ta'ala said in Qur'an, لا تخافا That, oh you Musa alayhi salam and you Harun al-Islam, the two of you, don't be afraid at all. Innani ma'akuma. That indeed me, I, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ma'akuma, I am with the two of you. Asma'u wa ara. And I am listening and I am watching. And actually this is the feeling that it means that a person gets. So what does it mean? When I feel, when one of us feels the mayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it means that we feel that Allah ta'ala is with me. He is listening to everything that's happening to me. And He is watching everything that's happening to me. So you feel relaxed. You feel relaxed that I have the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I have His mayat. That He, whatever we do, we will feel that. Second barakah of this is that it will help us to stay away from sin. Because when we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with us and He is listening and aware of everything and He is looking and He is watching everything then the feeling that that will create is the feeling that we are under observation. That we are under the surveillance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like you see in this world when the person has video cameras for surveillance, the person doesn't steal, the person doesn't speed, because they know they're under surveillance. So the person who feels the mayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will know that they are under the surveillance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this was the difference in our Aqabar and Salaf Salihin, that they always used to be aware that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was watching them. And we are unaware of that more and more. How many minutes of the day can we say we had idraq, istihzar, means we felt and were aware of this mayyat. How many minutes of the day we were felt and aware that Allah Ta'ala is listening and watching and knows each and everything about me. If we had had that feeling in our heart, it would have been very difficult to commit sin. Very difficult to commit sin. Allah Akbar, but we've lost that feeling. We've lost that feeling that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with me, that He knows everything I'm doing, that He's watching me, that He's listening to me. So the famous story we often fond of telling you because our shaykh often tells it, Sayyidina Ata ibn Abi Rabah, rahimahullahu ta'ala, one of the great Tabai Tabin, he used to tell his associates and fellows that, oh my friends, when you want to commit a sin, then you close all the doors and windows and shutters and blinds from which creation can see you, from which anyone can listen to you, from which anyone can observe you, and then you commit that sin. So what does that mean? Does it mean that from all of those who are aware of you, it is only Allah Ta'ala that you feel no shame in front of? جِسْكِ ذَرِيَ سِ مُخْلُوق آپکو گناہ کرتا ہوا دیکھتا ہے تو کیا اپنی طرف سے تمام دیکھنے والوں کا اپنے سب سے کم درجہ اللہ تعالیٰ کو دیا ہے کہ وہ صرف اللہ تعالیٰ ہی دیکھ رہے ہیں پھر گناہ کرتے ہیں اللہ This is the crux of this ایمان بالغیب 
This is the real meaning of Iman, to be, have this Iman bil ghayb and the real way then to follow the Siddiqeen and Sadiqeen is to stay away from those sins because we're afraid of Allah subhanahu ta'ala. What do we do? We stay away from sin when we're afraid of exposure in front of creation, exposure in front of society. That makes us stay away from sin. But what we should have been is afraid of being exposed in front of Allah subhanahu wa which we always are, which we always are. And this is the mistake that many of us make, and this is one of the biggest sins that we do, one of the biggest sins that we do, that sometimes when we feel lonely, especially the young men and women, when they feel lonely, and they're alone, and they're sad, and they're depressed, or they're upset about something. So what they should have done at that time, when they felt alone and lonely, was turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in ibadah, in that khalwa. But instead what happened is when they were alone, they instead they turned to sin. And then they excused themselves. And they think that, no, but I did that sin because I was lonely. I did that sin because I was sad. They excused themselves. Whereas they should have realized that sometimes, listen to this very carefully, we're on the end now. Sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts a person in a situation where yes, you will feel like you're all alone in the whole world. You will feel that there is no way out. Allah ta'ala puts us in that situation so that we turn to Him as the only way out. Sometimes Allah ta'ala puts us in that situation. Because He wants us to turn to Him only. He wants us to turn to Him exclusively. He wants us to turn to Him direly. That's why we were put in that situation. But many times the young man and woman, they don't understand this. And so they think that I'm alone and I'm lonely and I'm sad. And therefore it's okay if I do sin. And then our Shaykh explained this by ending with one hadith of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. And that hadith is about istighfaf. Istighfaf, what does that mean? Istighfaf means to take something lightly. The gravest sin type of istighfaf is to take Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lightly. To take Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lightly. وَمَا قَدَرَ اللَّهَ They did not esteem Allah ta'ala as He deserved to be esteemed. So when a person is alone, and when they do sin alone, so not only are they guilty of that sin that they did when they're alone, they're guilty of doing istighfar from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because they took Allah ta'ala lightly. That Allah ta'ala alone is watching me in this room. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone knows what I'm doing. And therefore now I can feel free to sin. Allah merkabira. Ajeeb. So this hadith, and our shaykh said that this is one of the scariest hadiths he's ever read. Allahumma kabira. For those of you who understand, that's a very big statement. That's a very big statement. It's the first time in my life I heard this hadith from my shaykh. So something new for me also. Say hadith from the Siha Sitta, viewed reliable by all Muhaddithin for the past 1100, 10, 1100 years. Narrative by Sayyidina Thoban, and the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Anna Hukaf. 
Sayyidina Rasulullah said, La'a'lamanna that surely and certainly I know Aqwamam min ummati that there will be many, many groups from my ummah that there will be many, many groups from my ummah Ya'tuna yawmal qiyamah that they will bring to Allah subhanahu wa on the day of judgment bihasanatin amthali jibali tihamata bayda that they will bring such hasanat like the mountains of Tihama. Means they will bring mountain-sized hasanat. They will bring loads and loads of hasanat to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Akbar. On the Day of Judgment, Sayyidina Rasulullah said that there will be people from my ummah who will bring mountains and mountains of hasanat to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But... فَيَجْأَلُهَ اللَّهُ أَزَّ وَجَلَّ هَبَأً مَنْثُورًا That Allah subhanahu will make those mountains of a'mal like scattered dust. He will null, make it null and void. بَحَارُوا كَ أَمَالْ لِكَنَائِنْجِ Allah ta'ala sabko reza reza karenge. Then, Kala Sabaan radhi Allah ta'ala so Sayyidina Sabaan radhi asked the Prophet sallam Ya Rasulullah Sifhum lana jannihim lana That explain them to us Make it clear to us Who they are An la nakuna minhum Wa nahnu la na'lam So that we don't become From one of those people Without even knowing it Tell us who are they Who bring these mountains of a'mal So Sayyidina Rasulullah Called Sayyidina Rasulullah said أَمَا إِنَّهُمْ إِخْوَانُكُمْ That, O oh, Sayyidina Thuban and rest of Sahaba who are there, that they are إِخْوَانُكُمْ They are your brothers indeed. Ya Allah, وَآبْكِ إِمَانُ وَلَيْبَائِهُمْكِ أَمَّا مِنْ إِخْوَانُكُمْ إِنَّهُمْ إِخْوَانُكُمْ وَآبْكِ إِمَانُ وَلَيْبَائِهُمْكِ وَمِنْ جِلْدَتِكُمْ Or, وَآبْكِ أَبْنِ مَيْسَيْهُمْكِ they will be the same matter and metal of you. And they will do ibadah in the night the same way you do ibadah in the night. Ya Allah. Allah Akbar. They will be ikhwanukum. They will be your dini brethren. And they will be taking the worship of Allah in the night the way you did. However, However, کہ وہ اتنے آمال کرتے ہیں اتنے نیکی کرتے ہیں کہ وہ پہاڑوں جیسے نیکی لے کر آئیں گے قیامت کے دن وہ ایسے لوگ ہوں گے صحابہ کہ وہ آپ میں آپ جیسے ہوں گے آپ کی تو دینی بائیں ہوں گے وہ ایسے لوگ ہوں گے کہ جس طرح آپ رات میں عبادت کرتے ہیں یہ بھی رات میں عبادت کریں گے مگر ولیکنہم مگر یہ ایسے لوگ ہوں گے اذا خلو کہ جب وہ تنہا ہوں گے بمحارم اللہ ان گناہوں کے موقعوں کے ساتھ تو وہ تنہائی میں گناہ کریں گے 
وہ لوگ ان کے امال ضائع ہو جائیں یا اللہ اب شاید ہم بھی اب تک سمجھتے تھے کہ چلو میں چھپ کر گناہ کرتا ہوں مگر ماشاء اللہ میں بیان پر دواتا ہوں میں چھپ کر رات کو گناہ کرتا ہوں مگر میں عمر کے لیے تو جاتا ہوں میں چھپ کر رات کو گناہ تو کرتا ہوں مگر میں اپنی نماز تو کرتا ہوں میں تنہائی میں گناہ تو کرتا ہوں میں اپنے ذکر مراقبہ تو کرتا ہوں میں چھپ کر گناہ تو کرتا ہوں مگر علم تو پڑھتا ہوں تو ہم تب تک یہی سوچتے رہے کہ چلو ہم چھپ کر گناہ کر رہے ہیں مگر اللہ تعالیٰ معاف کر لگے ہم ساتھ ساتھ امال بھی کر رہے ہیں کوشش بھی کر رہے ہیں اس حدیث سے معلوم ہوتا ہے کہ یہ چیز یہ نفاق جو ہے نا جیسے کل والی حدیث چاہ کو سنا یہ نفاق اللہ تعالیٰ کو بالکل برداشت نہیں ہے یہ نفاق ہے استفاف ہے کہ لوگوں میں بڑا مراقب کرتا ہے لوگوں میں پڑھنے پڑھانے والا ہے لوگوں میں بیان دینے والا ہے اور جب اکیلا ہوتا ہے تو بنا کرتے اللہ اکبر کا میرا اللہ تعالیٰ اللہ ہے اللہ تعالیٰ کو دو رنگی پسند نہیں ہے اس دو رنگی کو یک رنگی کر دو یہ صرف یقین کا راستہ ہے اور اس دو رنگی کو مٹانے کے لیے رگڑ لگانا پڑتا ہے جگہ جگہ یہ دو رنگی گھس چکا ہے اس یک رنگی سبغت اللہ اس سبغت اللہ کا رنگ لگانے کے لیے بڑے محنت کرنا پڑتا ہے سو دا وے آف دا صدیقین ٹو بی ٹرو دس از ون مینس ٹو بی ٹرو even when I'm alone. So the end of the hadith was that when they're alone with the opportunities for sin, they go deep into that sin. When they're alone with the opportunity to do sin, they repeatedly do sin. When they're alone with the opportunity to do sin, they forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The same Allah ta'ala they remembered in the gathering, they remembered in the dua, they remembered in the umrah, they remembered in arafah. That same Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they remembered in all of those ibadat and amal, when they're alone with the opportunity to do sin, they forget their Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they still do sin. Allah So Sayyidina Rasulullah said that such people like that, Allah Ta'ala will destroy all of their amal. He will render null all of their amal. Allah Akbar Kabeera means that this is not going to be a mistake. We will do our amal, we will do our amal, we will do our amal. So we have to learn to get this out. That's why Sheikh Ashraf Ali Thanrata said, کہ تصوف کا معنی اور تاریخ یہ ہے کہ گناہ کو اپنا روٹا روٹا ہڈی ہڈی بوٹی سے نکالنا گناہ کا مادہ نکالنا سو دیٹ وی ڈونٹس از دا الٹیمیٹ بینیفٹ آف جوائننگ آر سیلس ٹو دس وے آف دا صدیقین اینڈ صادقین دیٹ بائی کیپ لسننگ کیپ میکنگ توبا کیپ میکنگ ذکر کیپ میکنگ دعا اینڈ وی کین میک آر سنس وی ڈو الون لیس And then we keep trying, we make them less. And then we keep trying, we make them less. And then we keep trying, we make them less. And we have to keep trying, keep trying, keep reducing, keep lessening, keep reducing until we can bring it down to zero. We have to bring down the sin to zero. Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, وَذَرُوا ظَاهِرُ الْإِثْمِ وَبَاطِنَا كَيَا مُتْتَمَامُ غُنَاوْكُ چھوڑو 
जब जाहिर न करते हो बातन न करते हो गुनाह करना छोड़ो गुनाह सोचना छोड़ो गुनाह करना छोड़ो गुनाह चाहना छोड़ो मदर जाहिर इसमें वह बात न मैं अल्लाह ताला एक्सेप्ट दिस नियर फ्रॉम अस ऑन दिस डे अल्लाह सुभान अल्लाह तो कमजोर है चलो हम अपने जिंदगी के एक दिन तो हमने लगाया आपको राजी करने के लिए आपको पाने के लिए इस राय सिद्दीकीन के वाकिफ होने के लिए अल्लाह ताला हमारे इस दिन को कबूल फरमाए अल्लाह ताला हमारे हमेशा राह रास बनाए सिद्दीकीन सादिकीन के साथ नती फरमाए कुनो मा सादिकीन पर अमल नसीब फरमाए बल्कि कुनो मा सादिकीन के लिए हमारे पूरी जिंदगी को कबूल फरमाए व आखिर
اعتماد اس دل کے اندر ہے آپ نے تو قرآن میں فرمایا میں بکریم آج ہم دوبارہ ایمان کی تصدیق کر چکے ہیں دوبارہ ایمان کے اقرار کر چکے ہیں یعنی بکریم دوبارہ ہدایت نصیب فرما ایک اور بار ہدایت نصیب فرما ایک اور موقع تھا فرما یعنی بکریم ہم کچھ بھی نہیں کہہ سکتے آپ کے سامنے تو کون جھوٹ بول سکتا کیا دعویٰ کر سکتے ہیں ہم کہنا چاہتے ہیں یا اللہ کہ آج کے بعد سچے ہوں گے یار بکریم تو بھی جانتا ہے ہم بھی جانتے ہیں کہ پہلے بھی آپ سے باتیں کر چکے ہیں پہلے بھی یہی نیت کر چکے ہیں پہلے بھی آپ سے کہتے رہے کہ ہم سچے ملیں گے نہ ثابت ہوئے ارے بکریم آج تو کرم کا محمد فرما یا محبت کی نسبت 
آپ کے سامنے رکھتے ہیں وہ آپ کے محبوب تھے ہم ان کی محب ہیں اہل بکری وہ آپ کے محبوب ہیں ہم ان کی محب ہیں اس محبت کو قبول فرما اس رشتے کی بات فرما یعنی لیکن وہ بھی تو چاہتے ہوں گے کہ ان کے شگرد نیک بنے ان کے شگرد اچھے بنے یعنی بکریم ان کی تو بات قبول فرما ان کی دنیت پر حسد فرما وہ بھی حسد کرتے ہیں کہ ہمارے شگرد کتنے نالائق ہیں یعنی بکریم ان کی تو حسد پر حسد فرما ہم نالائق کو تو لائق بنا آپ کے محبوبین کو خوش فرما یعنی بکریم آپ کی نبی کریم صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم کی حسد تھی کہ امت نیک ہو امت سالے ہو امت آپ کے سامنے پیش ہو یعنی بکریم ان کی حسد پر حسد فرما ہمیں بھی نیک امتی میں سے بنا اس امت کا اچھا فرد بنا صالح مومن بنا ذاکر مومن بنا متقی مومن بنا صادق مومن بنا باحیا مومن بنا با اخلاص مومن بنا متح تہارت ظاہری نصیب فرما تہارت باطن نصیب فرما یار بکریم اپنا کرم کا معاملہ فرما یار بکریم اب تک نقل کرتے آئے ہیں کیا مت تک نقل کر مرنے تک نقل کریں گے یار بکریم اصل نصیب فرما اس نقل پر رحم کر کر ہمیں بھی اصلی بنا اصلی مومن بنا اپنا اصلی چاہنے والے بنا یار بکریم ہمیں اپنے صدیقین صادقین کے صحبت سے کبھی بھی محروم نہ فرما ان کی ہدایت سے کبھی بھی محروم نہ فرما ان کی محبت سے کبھی ہمیں خالی نہ بنا ان کی محبوبیت سے ہمیں محروم نہ بنا یعنی بکریم جو آپ نے جب جوڑا ہے تو آپ جوڑ کر رکھنا جب آپ نے ملایا تو آپ ہمیں ملا کر رکھنا یعنی بکریم قیامت کے دن کو ہمیں ہمیں جوڑنا ملانا ان نبین کے ساتھ ان صدیقین کے ساتھ ان شہدا کے ساتھ ان صالحین کے ساتھ جن آپ نے اپنے قرآن میں سرات مستقیم کہا ہم اسی سراغ کی طالب ہیں یار بکریم ہمیں نتھی فرما ہمیں نتھی فرما راہ راست بنا ہمیں منزل تک پہنچا یار بکریم ہمیں اپنی رضا نصیب فرما رضا والی زندگی نصیب فرما اپنی رضا کے مطابق بنا یار بکریم یہاں کچھ عورتیں بھی آئے ہیں جو عمر میں بڑی ہیں بچے بھی آئے ہیں چھوٹے ہیں وہ بھی آپ کو پانے کے لیے نکلے ہیں وہ بھی سن رہے تھے کہ آپ کے بات ملیں گے یعنی بکریم کسی آنے والوں کو محروم نہ فرما ہمارے گناہ کی وجہ سے ان کو محروم نہ فرما یعنی بکریم وہ تو نیک نیت لے کر آئے وہ تو آپ کی باتیں سننے کے لیے آئے آپ کو پانے کے لیے آئے ہیں یعنی بکریم اپنے غیبی خزانے سے اپنے تجلیات انوارات پیوزات سب کے دلوں پر نازل فرما سب کے دلوں پر اپنی نظر رحمت عنایت فرما سب کے دلوں کو اپنی یاد کے لیے قبول فرما شریعت سنت والی زندگی نصیب فرما یار بکریم اس نفس کے خلاف مجاہدہ کرنا ہمارے آسان بنا ہمیں مجاہد کبیر بنا اس جہاد اکبر کے لیے ہمیں قبول فرما جہاد نفس میں ہمیں کامیاب بنا یار جب بھی نفس گناہ کرنا چاہے یار بکریم ہمیں اس نفس کو روکنے کی طاقت ادا فرما یار بکریم اب تک جو ہم نہ روک سکیں ہم شرم کرتے ہیں اللہ اب سے معافی مانگتے ہیں اللہ ہمیں کبھی بنا مضبوط بنا استقامت والا بنا ہمت والا بنا ارادہ والا بنا حضوری والا بنا یار بکریم ہمیں اپنے کبھی مومنین میں سے بنا یار بکریم جس کے دل میں جو بھی پریشانی ہے 
سب کی پریشانیوں کو دور فرما جس کے دل میں جو کچھ تمنا نیک تمنا فریاد ہے ہم سب کی تمنا فریاد کو قبول فرما اپنے بندگی کے شرف عطا فرما ابدیت کے ادائیں عطا فرما ابدیت کے اداب عطا فرما ابدیت کے اعمال عطا فرما ابدیت کا اخلاص عطا فرما رب کریم ہم سب کو تمام حاضرین سامین سب کو اپنے نیک بندے بندیوں میں سے بنا سب کے خاندان کو نیک بنا اہل کو نیک بنا رب کریم جو والدین ہیں اپنے اولاد کی سرپرستی تربیت کرنا آسان بنا ہمارے اولاد کی ایمان کی حفاظت فرما ہمارا اولاد کو اپنی دین کے لیے قبول فرما رب کریم اولاد پر اپنی خصوصی رحمت فرما ان کو دین والا بنا ان کو خود اپنا دین کا طلب نصیب فرما اس اپنا طلب کو اپنی بارگاہ میں شرف قبولیت نصیب فرما رب کریم ہمارے علماء اولیاء امت میں جو علماء اولیاء گزرے یہ رب کریم ہماری طرف سے سب کو نیک بدلہ تھا فرما اجر زیم تھا فرما یہ رب کریم جنہوں نے وہ باتیں ہم تک پہنچائیں یہ رب کریم ان پر اپنا سایہ نصیب فرما یہ رب کریم ہر قسم کے شر سے محفوظ فرما یہ رب کریم ہمیں تعداد میں آ کر انہیں ہدایات سے ہدایت یافت بننا نصیب فرما یہ رب کریم اس گھر کو اور تمام حاضرین سامنے گھروں کو اپنی دین کے لیے قبول فرما ربنا تکمل منا ان کا انت سمی العلیم قطب علینا ان کا انت تواب الرحیم وصلی اللہ تعالی علی حبیبہ سیدنا محمد وعلا آلہ وصحبہ اجمعین برحمتک یا ارحم الراحمین